At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth clothing for all types of weather, for all types of terrain, for all kinds of budgets. It's clothing that just works. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. It's here, folks. Hunting season, bow hunting season, archery season here in Michigan. And uh, we may be some of the last hunters to start. So, uh, we're finally caught up and we're going to be hunting. Uh, haven't been hunting at all. Uh, tomorrow is deer camp and I will be dropping my daughter off at school, packing up the truck and head north. Uh, we've already got some of the Patreons up there camping on the property as we speak. You know, last year it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Some people came in on Wednesday. This year it's like, well, can everybody come in on Wednesday? Here we are. It's Tuesday, and guys are already up there. That's how excited uh, this camp is uh, to get together, uh, to hunt, to hang out for the camaraderie. Um, the Latitude guys are going to be stopping up uh, on their way to drop off some stuff for the Patreons. Um, it, it got a bunch of stuff from Redline. Uh, Wilderness Athlete that was on here dropped off some stuff, sent us stuff, some stuff in the mail. Um, really, really looking forward to it. I got a bunch of Huntworth stuff. Um to kind of give out and everybody's going to check out uh, some of the new stuff, the heat boost, all of that. Um, the Patreon giveaway, I will announce that next week, uh, probably next Thursday. I think it's probably, it's going to work out best for me um, with deer camp. Uh, that's, there's no service up there. So nothing I can do about that. I can, I can draw the names, but I can't uh, dole anything out. Uh, but man, 
so excited for deer season. Uh, you know, our Patreons, you know, Brad's already put down two different deer. Uh, Todd, who I think on the last podcast intro, uh, is a new Patreon out of Georgia and, uh, he killed his first deer, uh, since then, um, this podcast we're talking to pat casey he's also one of the patreons killing a really nice bear up in the up and we're going to talk about that but man i'm uh, tj rosipko down in ohio uh (laughs) wearing all of his uh bowhunter chronicles gear Uh, he's got now two deer under his belt uh in in his lucky hat as he calls it um it's just one of those things that uh so happy that this time of year is back again and the camaraderie that we've built uh, with through the podcast and all that stuff and it, we couldn't do it we couldn't give back we couldn't you know put on this deer camp uh without our sponsors you know uh, huntworth and all that they do for us the guys at latitude i mean those guys have for the longest time been over backwards for us and uh, really hooked us up and you can go over there and use code bhc save 50 percent off they do have platforms back in stock and uh, if you're looking at ropes, uh, their vapor lines, they're, they're a little bit more expensive, but they're incredible ropes. Um, and then their their 10 millimeter ropes actually pack up really nicely, just like an Oplux, uh, about the same size as the that 8 millimeter rope packs up. So um, really nice rope. That's something uh, that that's worth an upgrade. Um, if you got some of the old, like 11 millimeter ropes or some of the, the first ones that have come out, um, really, really a lot nicer, uh, big shot targets. You can use code BCP for, to save 10% over there. Uh, I, like I say, I recommend that, uh, that double duty buck, um, been shooting with the trad bow, uh, built some new arrows and, uh, getting to that sight picture is just incredible uh, that's modeled after like 120 pound deer so um it looks like a real deer actually it's in my backyard and i've looked out there a couple times and i've told my wife like oh i just got fooled freaking deer in the back backyard um spartan forge 25 percent off using code bull hunter uh bow hunter there and uh check them out at spartan forge ai uh, we're actually do, using their blue force tracker. We're in the process of, uh, figuring all that out here for our Patreon camp. So really looking forward to that. Genesis 3d, the tether button, like it's the littlest thing and it saves so much hassle. Uh, check that out, uh, over there on the website. Austin is actually going to be in camp with us this, uh, this weekend. Super cool. Um, and then, you know, lucky buck, Zinger, Zinger arrow or Zinger fletchings. I've got, uh, some of their latest ones, uh, been testing them with, uh, broadheads, uh, at distance and, uh, we're working through some things, uh, but really happy to be working with them. And then the Kanadi arrows, um, that they've got are just incredible as well. And, you know, all these companies give something away, uh, to our Patreons every quarter. Uh, so when I do the announcement on, uh, thursday we'll go through exactly what they're giving i'll go live on instagram and do that but you can check that out at uh, patreon.com forward slash bowhunter chronicles podcast or just click the link on the website or uh, on instagram and we got two new uh, patreons alex johnson i'm pretty sure he's the local taxidermist here who actually donated the buck mount for tim clark's buck last year at the patreon hunt and he's offered to do that again pretty sure that's the same alex johnson and then Justin Markham out of Florida, skinny out of Florida. He actually killed an incredible uh, 
velvet buck in Kentucky already this year. Um, and I think he's moving a little bit further north. Uh, but he's been in that Patreon Marco Polo group uh, hanging out. But, man, I just got to say thank you to everybody. Um, and like I said, the Patreons, I mean, we're going to have like 30-plus guys in camp. Um, and it's going to be just incredible. I think eight different states. Um, you know, if you can't tell, pretty excited about this. Uh, and you know, just to get back in the woods, but regardless, this podcast, you know, Pat has hunted all over, um, hunted a bunch of different stuff. And I wanted to talk to him about hunting bears over bait. And, you know, after you've done backcountry elk hunts and you've, you know, elk bugling and, you know, all the different stuff traveled out of state and to go and like throw out donuts for a bear. Uh, I wanted to know like what that was like. And, uh, he really enjoyed it. We break down a little bit of the cost. If you're going to do it yourself, uh, versus, you know, maybe pricing out an outfitter, um, that sort of stuff. But uh, I know you guys are going to love this episode and we will see you after deer camp as always. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the bow hunter chronicles podcast, Adam and John back with uh, returning guest here, Pat Casey. And uh, the last time he was on here, he was talking about uh, killing an elk with uh, with his bow and uh, the first time. And uh, he's back. Before we get into, like, the, the meat of the deer season, today we're recording this on Michigan's bow opener, which it was, like, 88 degrees. Um, so I've, I've had, had to work the last uh, couple of days, but not with without good reason. We're leading up to our Patreon deer camp. It's like four or five days this year. And uh, so I've got that all off. Don't have to work. But I didn't get to get to hunt in the in the summer. I was say, I don't think you – I mean, I was over at the house working. And I'm like, man, if you shot a deer today, you'd have to have a walk-in cooler. Because there's – Oh, yeah. Or, you know, cut it up and put it in the refrigerator right away or cooler or something. Because it was too hot. Yep. It was like That's why I went golfing degrees. today. <laughs> <laughs> but Pat, so people who haven't maybe heard that episode or um, don't know anything about you, what's a little bit of background on your hunting and uh, kind of like your your hunting background and your upbringing? Yeah, sure. So um, I mostly grew up rifle hunting um, from when I was fourteen um, all the way up until after college, actually. So I didn't start bow hunting until 2005 and I started buying a bow from Cabela's right off the shelf, just all set up, not really knowing what the heck I was doing. And, um, from there, I mean, between me and guys like you and, and John and other friends of mine, um, over the years. I probably enjoy bow hunting more than rifle hunting and I've I've dove in pretty deep into a lot of the stuff I mean working on my bows myself um building my own arrows doing all the all the testing and tuning and um so yeah I've I've really only been bow hunting now for what 18 years which is is an okay amount um it still doesn't seem like a ton but uh yeah and it was mostly deer um with the rifle growing up and 
bow hunting originally was was whitetail um and then it wasn't until 2014 when i took my first trip out west for uh archery elk so got pretty big into that and um shot my first bull in 2018 um out in montana which was pretty epic and for for the amount of money that it costs for tags and the time off of work and the amount of training that you have to do and i mean it it took me four years to get my first archery elk and man when that happens it it the feeling is just so much more amazing um knowing what you do i mean like you guys know um and, and other people that if if they're going out west hunting or even archery hunting whitetail in the state that they're living in whether it be here or elsewhere and they've they're they're going after a, a target buck that they've they've had on camera for years whether it be public or private like when you put the time in and you get it done and when you do get it done like it is just that much better so going from that um and, and that's kind of why I wanted you to kind of lead in with that. So we're going to talk about, uh, you killed a monster bear. I don't know what, uh, unless that's the, the hell of the, the, the fisherman pose, right. Where maybe that bears, you know, 30 yards in front of you, but the pictures make it look huge. Um, talking about a, a Michigan bear hunt and, it it kind of played out the way that you would want it to go um other than the driving back and forth and all of that um but for a guy that's gone out west and done done you know some backpack hunts and stuff like that like what is the allure to a you know Michigan black bear hunt what makes what what makes it cool to hunt over bait in the late summer i guess (laughs) yeah so i i I knew like i wasn't really i never really even thought about bear hunting um i mean up until probably eight ten years ago um when i started going out west and and seeing bears out west um and then i started putting in for points um, just, just buying points just because I knew I was going out west elk hunting in September and the bear season in Michigan was always during elk hunting out west. So I knew I was going to continue to go out west. So I just bought points and it was more of a, this was something I just, I wanted to do. and. I wanted to, the other part of my goal was I wanted to do it with my bow just to make it, I say make it that much harder, but, um, I mean, it is with, with a bow compared to a gun. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was more of wanting to try something different. And I really, and the other thing was like, I haven't, eaten a lot of bear meat the only bear meat i've ever had was gosh back when i was probably 14 years old 
um, at my uncle's deer camp. He had a, a small hind quarter roast and it was delicious. Um, so I, I, I wanted to really like try the meat too as, as well. Um, but yeah, it took me, it took me eight years to even pull a first season bear tag, which was what I wanted because I have friends back up in the UP that, that have, uh, bear dogs that would have taken me hunting in like the second or third season because Michigan has three bear seasons, but the first season, the first five days, guys with hounds can't run, run dogs the first five days. So if you're trying to shoot one over bait, your first five days is your best chance because once dogs start running them, they go nocturnal. Um, and it's, it's really tough to get them to come out during, uh, daylight shooting hours. So, and to me, I mean, I know like the, the sport of using hounds is, is huge and it works. And there's a lot of guys that like to do that. Um, to me, I really wanted to do it with my bow. So I didn't want to, I didn't even want to try and have a hound run a bear up a tree and shoot her out of the tree with my bow. Um, that was just something that personally I didn't want to do. Um, and like I said, like I'm not knocking guys that, that do that um, because it is a, a huge thing and it's, it's, it's tough to train dogs to, uh, to do that kind of work and, um, and bring them up. And it, that's part of the, the bear hunting world. Um, and I think it's good that that's out there. So yeah, it was my biggest thing was just, a like, I'll try, I want to try it once and I want to do it with my bow. And I was going to be hard headed about that too. So, so what'd you think of, I mean, are you going to do it again? I mean, do you, what, did you like it? What, what I mean? Yeah. So after, I mean, it's a, here's the one thing I liked. A lot of people, like a lot of my friends that have the the bear dogs, um, I mean, they're running bears all day, but for the most part, um, guys are telling me, you only really need to go out in the afternoon and hunt the afternoons just because bears like routine. Um, so when you start baiting, um, and this is all stuff I learned because I, I know nothing about bear hunting. I did a little bit of reading um, on the, the Bear Hunter magazine. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he's part of the Meat Eater crew there. Clay Newton. Uh, yeah. So I, I was reading some articles beforehand just to get some tidbits info on top of talking to uh, some friends of mine. Um, and then... Like I, I had no, I had no clue what, what to expect. Um, but the routine part was great because I could sleep in, um, didn't have to wake up with an alarm and hunt in the mornings. Um, because that routine part of it too is, is huge. So you can start baiting like August 6th. And, and that's when we started, like I went up there. So I, I, I got the Amasaw unit over by crystal falls. 
um, which is half an hour uh, north of where I actually grew up, up there. Um, but those that, that that's a tough unit to get a first season tag in. Um, but I went up there probably mid July and set up my sticks and platform, and I was able to luckily be able to hunt on private um, next to this huge swamp um, that has consistently held bears in the past. Um, one of my friends that I used to work with up there, he has a camp up in Amasaw, just north of Crystal Falls. And he shot a nice bear on the same property a few years ago. Um, but the baiting and the consistency part was, was a thing that a lot of people were telling me. So when you start baiting, if you're baiting at two, two thirty in the afternoon, every day, you need to do that same time when you go bait and and normally it's like an every other day type of baiting i guess um but you go in at the same time take the four-wheeler side by side whatever you're going in with and you bait and the bears get on that routine and even even the days that you don't bait like if they hear that four-wheeler come in at the same time it's like dinner bells going off. So even if you're not baiting, it's like the Pavlov um, effect where even if you don't bait that day it, when you're hunting, they still think there's food coming so that like that's when they come out. Um, but all this stuff I never knew. But that's what people were telling me and what I was reading. And um, the other thing I really wanted to know was shot placement. So I was watching... I just searched YouTube videos for archery, archery bear hunts or archery bear kills or whatever. Um, and I knew, I knew that the, the bear anatomy, their front shoulders and front legs are further forward than a whitetail or an elk, which exposes more of their, their lungs and heart. So you don't have to hold tight to the shoulder on a bear. Like you want to be a lot of people were saying middle of middle on bears. So aim for the middle of the middle of the body. But then when, when I started doing a little bit more research on that middle of the middle thing and really finding the guys who know what they're doing for bear hunting, it really isn't middle of the middle. It's kind of, Oh, what, what was the one? It was some outfitter up in uh, Canada. He called it the shittle. So it was between the middle and the front shoulder. So that's what he called it, the shittle. <laughs> it's not the middle and it's not the shoulder. It's between those two. Um, just to give yourself a little bit of room for air. Uh, so if you do hit a little bit further forward, you can catch front lung and heart. Or if you hit a little bit back, you, you'll at least catch back, back long. Um, so doing that research too was, was kind of good um, to know the placement and stuff. But yeah, the, gr the greatest thing was not, not having to wake up to an alarm and um, I'd wake up in the mornings and drink my coffee, get a little bit of work done. And uh, I never did get a chance to, 
do any brookie fishing while I was up there in the mornings. Um, just because I did get a little bit of work done. Um, and then I helped my buddy out at his camp because he had zero wood put up for the winter and he runs an outdoor wood burner at his camp. So we did some cutting, um, or even I did while he was working. And, um, so that was the one thing I liked about bear hunting was, was not having to wake up four o'clock in the morning every day to get out there. <laughs> so let's, let's talk logistics on this. Cause I want to get into something here a, a, a little bit, but how far away do you live from where you're baiting? And so season starts September, you can start baiting August 6th. Like how, how logistically do you make that work? So that was another reason why I put in for a tag where I did in that unit. Um, it was because my friend lived up there in crystal falls. So I'm seven, seven and a half hours from where I hunted and there was no way I was making it up there once a weekend for a month straight to go put bait out there. Like there's no way. Um, even, even if I would have pulled a, a Newberry unit tag, um, that that's a four and a half hour drive, just a Newberry from here, from, from my house. So that was, that was a nice thing to have without having to hire a guide up that way, because there are guides that you can hire, um, decently cheap to, um, but you have to make sure you're, you're getting a, a decent one, but it was convenient because my buddy would go bait after work. Um, and he'd, he'd go every other day or the property that I hunted on. Um, the guy was, he's from Wisconsin and green down by green Bay, but he's been working remotely at his camp, which was kind of nice. So he was there every day. And he was, he was baiting. So I only set up one spot, but it was great. So I had somebody up there baiting and that helped out a ton. Although after my first five days, I started listening to, uh, the bear hunting magazine podcast just to get more tidbits of info because things weren't going the way I thought they were. And a lot of guys that do bait for bear. They only bait like 10 days before their opener. Because if you get bigger, bigger bears coming in right away, you can't hold them for a month straight. And we started baiting a month before my opener. And we did have four or five pretty nice, like 300 plus pound bears on camera uh, coming in in daylight hours. And then literally a week before the opener, they were gone. So that definitely, that definitely played out, um, like how, how those guys said it would with the big ones, just bailing, especially once acorns start falling. And, and there, if there's blueberries out there, like they'd rather eat natural food than sugary donuts and frosting and all the, all the junk that you put out to try and get them come in, you know? So 
from from that end, like I don't know, there, there's so many ways to go, but I think for a guy who's like like I said, who's gone out and done, you know, backpacking hunts for elk and now you're putting out you know, essentially ice cream, you know, <laughs> icing and freaking donuts and you know, you're nailing tuna cans to trees like mentally like how how is this like what what's the draw to it for you i mean at any point were you like this isn't real hunting (laughs) (laughs) well the whole baiting for bears part um that 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 thought that you just brought up never really crossed my mind because that's what really everybody has to do for for bear hunting like even up in canada um out east like you have to bait bait for bears to to get them to come around but when i grew up uh whitetail hunting uh with the rifle in the up that's when you could still bait all the time and that's all we did like we sat over bait and i never knew any different from when I was 14 years old until I started bow hunting in the thumb in 2005. And so the whole baiting thing didn't, it didn't bother me. I mean, it sucks because I I do like the part of uh, elk hunting or even uh, bird hunting or pheasant hunting to where you're moving, you're walking. And even now, like mobile hunting with the saddle and and sticks to where I can just be jumping around and hunting the the fresh sign wherever I find it and not have to be locked in one spot with with a hang on. Um, I do like being mobile and just sitting there for almost five hours a day because following the routine, I'd be in the tree by three o'clock every afternoon and sit till dark. Um, so they're on central time up there. So it wasn't getting dark until like seven forty, seven forty-five central time. But that was a lot of patience and sitting in my saddle for a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking the baiting or anything like that. I'm just thinking about like, Cause it, you know, you had said it's a pretty cool hunt. Right. And. Oh yeah. So it's like the extremes. Like when I think about like a, an awesome hunt, it's not like, Oh man, I got to nail these tuna cans to the tree now, you know, like, Oh, they ripped the last ones down. So, you know, there's a, there's a difference between what you said there about like hunting the fresh sign and bouncing around and all that. And, you know, the interaction that you get with like turkeys or elk, and, you, you know, it kind of almost goes back to that, like, hoping versus hunting. And then, uh, you know, it was something that just dawned on me when you say, like, okay, I sat, you know, for however many days, five hours a day, and you only had one spot set up. And bears are definitely, um, you know, uh, use their nose, right? So, are you picking trees based on the wind? Or are you just like, well, this is my, this is my spot? So here was my reasoning. So you're allowed to set up. So there's different rules for private and public. 
for baiting. Um, private, you can use uh, barrels. Public, you can only use pits or hollowed out stumps. Um, so you can't use a barrel on, on public land. Um, so it, it was more, I mean, I knew I wanted to play the wind and this property, it did have some, some ridges and drop-offs down in the swamps. So when, when we were out there in July, I knew I wanted to play wind and thermals because I knew if, if you're on that ridge and it, it's cooling down at night, especially, especially up there in September, I mean, it gets a lot cooler up there than it does down here at that time of year. Um, Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I had to think about the thermals and sucking my scent down into the swamp where these these bear are coming out of. I mean, they're not sitting. They're not. They're not sitting in the hardwoods. I mean, this time of year, early September, they're in the swamps stay cool they want to be near water and food so i wanted to play the wind and the thermal game just like i would for whitetails or elk um and i think each property might be different as far as thermals go in a way but those swamps are going to cool down just like a a mountaintop would i i feel like even with minimal elevation change um so I was setting up for wind, um, but at the same time, too, a bear's sense of smell, I found out, is way better than a whitetail's sense of smell. So the whole baiting thing with playing the wind, playing the smell, you also want to get some smells out there that they like to start drawing in other bears. Um, so you're also competing with other people potentially around you with other baits. But in Michigan, you're allowed three bait sites per hunter that you can bait. 
my thinking other than the wind and the thermals was I only want one bait site. Even though I was prepared to have another, like when we set up my spot, we put a set of permanent sticks in the tree and just wrapped them around the tree with the um, pull tight straps. And then I, I set my platform in place, but I was prepared. I had my mobile sticks. Um, if something went to pot, I could uh, either pick another area um, or if, if I, I had luckily had some other contacts uh, from some other people who had other baits in the same unit as, as I was in um, that I, I could have had access to. Um, but I only wanted one bait. And the reason why was if I'm setting up three baits, if you pick one spot because you've, you've been getting pictures there, let's say for two or three days in a row, like, all right, I'm going to go sit that stand. You go sit it. And then you get back to camp. If, and if you're using cell cams or even if you're sitting there and you get a cell cam picture of, Oh, this 300 pounder is sitting at my, my second bait side. Like, well, shit, I, I should have picked that one. So I didn't want to have to, play that guessing game um so that's why i only i only went with one bait because i wasn't spreading out the bears that were in the area which i also felt would be a good competition thing for the bears kind of fighting over the bait that was there um and and maybe having like a really big uh male boar stay in the area to fight for his bait site instead of having other locations to go to. So that was my rationale behind setting up one bait was I didn't want to have to guess because I've done that in the past, uh, whitetail hunting on my uncle's property in the UP. He had box blinds all throughout his property and feeders that would feed uh, corn in the morning an early afternoon. But if you didn't have a guy at every one of those blinds, I think he had five different spots, maybe six different spots. You're guessing. So you sit there and then all of a sudden you go back to camp and you get, you see pictures on the other camera from either this other food plot or this other bait. And you're like, oh man, I was thinking about going there, but I wanted to go here because I, I had a picture here last night. Um, so that was my thinking behind my setup and, and what I did. Um, but at the same time too, uh, I also found out that bears can travel six to 60 miles. So even if you, even if you aren't seeing the bears that you had on camera early, when, when you started baiting, you could get a random, a random bear come through, um, like nothing just because of, when biologists have have collared bears to track them and track their movements and see what their home ranges were like like they did with deer they they will travel a long ways um which i found surprising as well so it was it was a different adversary i guess compared to deer and elk and turkey um so that was like another reason why i wanted to try the bear hunt was I'd never done it. 
I didn't know anything about them really. Um, and they are smart and it was, it was something new, something different. And it was still going to be tough. Like I knew it wasn't going to be super easy. So yeah, that's, that was kind of my thinking behind that. So, so I was to say, how'd it taste? Did you, I mean, was it good? I haven't been able to taste it yet. That that's, uh, that's the end of the story story uh after i ended up getting getting my bear <laughs> yeah so walk us through the hunt so I, like I, how did it uh how did it all play out so i hadn't mentioned this yet but there was um there was an, another hunter who had a bear tag that was hunting the same land that that i was on um which was fine like there were we had enough bears on camera um to feed a, a small village like there were quite a few bears coming in so i had my one spot and they had two different um baits set up for where they were baiting um and she so she was in high school i think she was like 16 15 she only had a day and a half to hunt so she was going to hunt opening day and then half of the second day. So opening day was on a Wednesday, September 6th. And I knew hunting afternoons. Um, I, I got up there the evening of the fifth and um, it's like, all right, like we were supposed to stay at my buddy's camp up in Amasaw. Um, but unfortunately he was, <laughs> He's been working on this camp, which it's it's pretty epic. Uh, it's it's an awesome camp. It sits on forty acres, but uh, he built it himself and built it with wood from the property that uh, the camp's on. So he's still getting things done inside the camp. And the guy that he had doing the flooring still wasn't done yet. It was supposed to be done like a month prior to when I was going to be out there. So we 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 spent the night at uh, my buddy's house in Crystal Falls that uh, Tuesday night and then Wednesday morning we're sitting at the table drinking coffee and nine 30 um, get a text and that, that girl shot a bear. So like, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I had them ask if, if they needed some ice um, just from the gas station and I could, I could head on over there and uh, help them out. So I went over there and, it was her first bear and her having a short amount of time to hunt. She didn't care what she, what, what she had shot as long as it was uh, legal, which that's another tough thing too. And I don't know when this changed um, in the regulations for bear hunting in Michigan, just because I'd never really looked at them before, but the legal size for a bear had to be 42 inches long from nose to tail. And they tell you in the regs, like what you should do is like cut a log 42 inches long, put it down by your bait. And when a bear walks by it, you can gauge the size of it based off that log. Or what I was using was the 50 gallon, I had a 50 gallon drum. So that was 36 inch, 36 inches long. Um, 
so I knew it it had to be longer than that barrel um to be to be legal and I wasn't going to be picky either the first legal bear that came in I I was I was going to take um like I wasn't going to sit there and oh I looks like there's this 400 pounder on camera I didn't want to play that game I knew it was going to be tough enough as it was and I was going to shoot the first legal bear that came in. Um, but the one thing I didn't know was that bears don't act like whitetail do. When a whitetail's feeding, like if they're not rutting and, and chasing does, they're walking a little bit more slowly. They might hang out in the spot for a little bit longer for you to actually draw, get set, and um and shoot your shot bears will sit stand lay down uh put their paws up on a tree pull logs away from your 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 bait pit um roll the barrel around like they're constantly moving so when we heard that girl shot a bear when i got out there it was a small one so in Michigan, you have to register your bear. So you have to take it to either the DNR uh, check station or there's other check stations that um, the regulations have for a list of where you have to check them in. Um, so the, the nice thing was with her getting her bear right away, I was like, all right, this gives me a week and a half to myself out here with nobody else around. Um. Well, her bear ended up being like 45 inches nose to tail. So that was, uh, it was, it was close. Um, but it was, it was legal. So I hunted that Wednesday night and I was in the tree. Like, like I said, I was in the tree every day by three. Um, and I would get dropped off, um, by the camp owner. Usually, uh, when I'd be out there hunting or, if he couldn't do it, like if he had a meeting in the afternoon where he couldn't couldn't give me a hand to simulate the four-wheeler baiting dinner bell thing, I would drive a four-wheeler into the bait site and either throw bait out or if I wasn't baiting, just park there for a second, drive back out, park it, and walk back in. So Wednesday night, I was sitting there and um I heard something moving off to my right. It was slow and it wasn't loud. Like, like you normally hear a deer walking through the woods. Freaking bears are silent. <laughs> They're like elk. They are ghosts in the woods. And I don't know if it's because of their feet being padded and having such a a bigger print to spread spread out their uh their weight and and distribute their their weight and stuff but god dang it are they silent so i'm looking off to my right and and this bear was coming in and it got to within 10 yards of my stand and stood up on its hind legs and was looking up at in my direction because I also had a 
um, a rag that I had sprayed with liquid smoke because they love liquid smoke. So that's also part of the getting the smells out in the air and the baiting stuff. Um, so I was using that to get the scent out as well as kind of a cover scent for me. So it stands up on his hind legs and puts his nose in the air. And I knew it was, it, it looked like a smaller bear just from how close it was to me. Um, but at that point, that was the first bear I had really had ever seen while hunting. Even though I'd seen him out trout fishing um, in the UP or out west elk hunting. I mean, you'll run across black bears out there. And it walked in, walked into the bait. Well, it walked, it walked by the 36-inch long bait barrel. And I'm looking at that thing, and that's why I said, like, bears don't act like whitetail. I mean, it walked right past the barrel. But I couldn't be 100% sure that that thing was six inches past the end of the barrel. And that was the legal bear. Just because they're moving, like, then it started pushing the barrel. Then it started, then it went to the logs. Then it's sitting down. Then it's staying down. Um, it walked past the barrel twice. And I mean, even the 50 gallon drum, the, the top of the back of the bear was, was barely the same height as a 50 gallon drum laying down on its side. And it walked close enough to the barrel that I knew it was a smaller bear. And I didn't want to take the chance of shooting a bear that might be undersized. So I let it walk. Um, and then I didn't see anything Thursday night. I didn't see anything Friday night. Saturday, I didn't hunt um, because I needed to help my body with some stuff around his camp. And it was going to be it was going to be warm, like close to 80. So I helped him with stuff at his camp. I hunted Sunday, didn't see anything. Finally, Monday, we were talking to um, a bear guide that my buddy's friends with. And. He said, you know, you've been, you've been feeding them the same stuff for a month. He's like, if I were you, I would go buy some vanilla extract and dump it on a rag to get a different smell in the air. And apparently the sardine trick, a lot of guys have used this over the years. He's like, go buy some cans of sardines, nail them to a tree and just crack the lid on the bottom and let that oil get over the tree and let that smell get out in the air so monday i was like all right i'm i'm gonna try this just to get some different scent out in the air put that out monday haunted monday night sure shit um a bear came in uh probably around 20 after six um and it came from behind me it was like super quiet again but i could it the wind was was down enough to where i could hear something walking through ferns and like some of the pine trees because i mean it was thick i mean it was like that type of swamp behind me 
Um, but that darn thing, when it came in, it went right to the tree with the sardines on it. Stood up, sniffed it. And when I tacked them in, I kind of did this on purpose too. So I put them in at like five and a half, six feet. So I knew if a bear stood up on its hind legs, if its nose was touching those cans at six foot, I, I knew that that was probably most likely going to be a legal bear to shoot. Um, so when that bear went to that tree, uh, I knew it was the small one, but when it, when it stood on its hind legs, its nose was still eight, 10 inches below the height of those sardine cans. Um, which just proved that I made a good decision not to, not to shoot the smaller one, but it went to the sardine can tree and then it went right over to the rag with the vanilla extract on it. So putting those new scents in the air actually did work. Um, but the, the, the weird part was, so I passed on that again. Um, but it was crazy because even from opening day until that Monday, they so they use the the Cuddy Link cameras out there, and they have twenty one Cuddy Link cameras for property. So they have cameras everywhere. We weren't getting pictures of any other bears. Um, like I said, the bigger ones that we had on camera in August had disappeared. Um. So we didn't know what what the heck to do, which was why we tried the the new scent in the air trick. But uh, yeah, that was it. Was getting I was getting nervous that I wasn't going to actually see a legal bear, but kind of kind of knowing that they <clears throat> they did have such a big travel area, I knew I could get some random bear come in there. Um, the only other thing was, I think the wolves might have played into um, pushing some of the bears out of the area a little bit. Because every night at dark, I could hear wolves howling in the distance. So there was also that gut pile from that that bear that that girl shot on opening morning, and the, the wolves were walking through where I was hunting to go to where this this uh, gut pile was so i don't think that helped um but passed on that barrier that monday night didn't see anything tuesday night had to go home to my parents house to finish a deck fixing project that i started in july when i was up there um and just to spend some time with my parents just because I only get up there two to three times a year. And, um, so I didn't hunt Wednesday. I went back to camp Thursday. Didn't see anything Thursday night. No, granted the weather was still pretty good the whole time I was there. Like the first couple of days were warm. Um, but after that it cooled down and kind of was pretty steady in like the, low to mid sixties for highs. And it would be like, there were, there was one morning with frost. So, I mean, it would get down to freezing or upper thirties at night. Um, 
But then knowing Friday was like, all right, I have two more days to hunt here. Um, I don't know what the heck's going to happen. And I was telling one of my buddies this. Um, and I did bring my rifle with me because you can use a gun or a bow. If you use a gun, you have to wear orange, obviously, but you can use either weapon during Michigan's bear season. I was still dead set on my bow, but I brought the rifle with me. I guess just in case I got to this moment where it was crunch time. I have a day or two left. Uh, Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. What do I do? So talking to my buddy Dave, Dave Roth, who lives down here. Um, I don't know if you guys know Dave. I, I, I'm sure you've met him a couple times. Um, him and Brent Goodwin, they always go out west elk hunting. Um, but Dave, Dave said, if I were you, I'd be taking that gun out and I would just get my tag filled. I would rather have a filled tag than not have a filled tag. And I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, I do, I do feel the same way. Like I would rather fill a tag than not fill a tag. But at the same time, like Dave's a big archery hunter. So he gets the mentality that I had because I told him, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of stubborn about this hunt to where I want to do this with my bow. And if that means waiting another eight years to get another first season tag, so be it. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick it out. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't, I'm sticking to my morals and, and, and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Um, so my second to the last night, um, so that would have been Friday the 14th. Um, or the 15th, sorry. I'm sitting in my tree, probably quarter after six rolls around, uh, central time. And I saw a bear walking the two track, um, that was out in front of me. And like, man, it looks like a bigger bear. So where it was walking was kind of nice because there was enough there were enough trees between myself and this two track that it wasn't going to see me really move. Plus when I was in my saddle, 
the tree was between me and the bear on the trail it was walking on. It came in silent, obviously walking that two track, like there was nothing for it to step on. But when I saw it, I knew it was legal. I knew it wasn't the small one because I'd seen that thing two times already. So I grabbed my bow off the hanger and I already had my feet set. Um, I drew back before it rounded the corner and this darn bear came in to, so I had the 50 gallon drum with bait and then we had dug a pit and put logs over the top of it. And the key to the log pit is you want the logs running away from you when you stack them up because Apparently, what a bear likes to do is go to the side perpendicular to the way that they're facing, and they just pull them off there and just rip those logs off that hole to get to the bait, which puts them in a broadside shot position for you. But this bear came in and was facing me, started parting the logs like parting the sea facing me and I'm at full draw and it sat there and ate uh, out of the pit and it didn't even it moved to the other side but it moved so fast it's like it jumped to the other side of the pit and now it's facing straight away from me I'm still at full draw and all this thing needed to do was turn 45 degrees left and I could have taken a quartering away shot. Um, and I'm just holding. And wh what I ended up doing was I put my cam, arrested it on my leg, still at full draw. So I could, I could still hold my bow and hold full draw, but not have to really stress to hold it for a really long period of time just by putting my cam on my on my leg and because i was just waiting for this thing to turn um and it never did it laid down so it laid down <laughs> at the pit it's like shit so finally let my release down and i'm just i'm sitting there waiting for it to stand up again and it finally stands up I draw back again and this thing literally like ran across the lane past the barrel off to my left and there was a a two track that well it wasn't a two track it was a trail that um a lot of the bear were using to come in and out of the swamp off to my left like five yards away from my tree and it started walking this trail and I thought it was going to walk it right back into the swamp, which I could have just swung around and taken like a five yard shot at this thing on this, on this trail, but it didn't, it stopped and turned around and it, it literally went right to the tree with the sardines in it, never stopped and really didn't give me a shot at it, even though I was still at full draw. So. It got to the tree and it, it stood up on its hind legs to sniff those sardine cans. And 
then it sits down right in the trees between me and the bear. So even when it put its front paws up on the tree to sniff those cans, if it would if it would have been 90 degrees to the tree, I still would have had a shot at the vitals while it was standing there on the tree, but it didn't because it went to the backside. So then it sits and still at full draw, like waiting to see what else it's going to do. And for whatever reason, it looked behind it uh, into the woods. And I do, it didn't smell me because the wind was blowing from the bear to me. Um, but it didn't like something in the woods. I don't know if there was a wolf that it could hear, smell. Um, but it just literally took off back into the swamp out of my life. I'm like, okay, that was a cool experience. Um, but I'm like, shit, I have one day left. And another thing that I noticed from that experience being at full draw and seeing that smaller bear the first day and a few days after the first day was my normal shot press process is draw my bow, anchor, do my little bit of push pull, and then start rotating my thumb button to let, let it go. Watching those bears move, I knew if I saw a legal bear that I was going to shoot, I needed to draw my bow, get into my push pull, and be sitting in that position to be ready to rotate my thumb button the second that I had a chance to shoot. Because they don't sit still like a deer does. So now I'm down to my last day. Get out there, normal time, three o'clock, throw out a bunch of bait. Um, get in the tree, sit for my normal three hours because normally you're not seeing a bear till the last like hour to hour and a half of, of daylight. So I was transitioning between standing on my platform until my feet hurt enough by that point pressure of the platform edge to kneeling against the tree, sitting in my saddle. And I would try and sit like 45 minutes to an hour in each one of those positions, just so I wasn't moving a whole lot. So at 630, I just stood up and I'm, I'm sitting there. I have my hands, my arms laying across my bridge and I can hear something walking behind me. And I'm like, I know it's not a squirrel because I've been listening to those cocksuckers for a week and a half. And that's definitely not a squirrel. It's either a deer or a bear. So as I'm just, I'm kind of sitting back and I'd kind of had my, my, my eye turned towards that, that two track trail because it was still coming close, slowly walking. And I'm just sitting there. Finally, I saw a black blob out of my left eye. Like, all right, it's bear. And it finally got into where it had walked far enough down the trail that I could really see it. And it was the bear from Friday night. So I knew it was a legal one. Like, all right, here we go. Grab my bow. And I guess this is the this is the only other thing I didn't mention. I've normally been a fixed blade shooter 
um because i had a bad experience with mechanicals back in the in the early 2000s um so i've stuck with either a single bevel or a four blade fixed broadhead but after patreon deer camp last year to where uh joe davis was using the the severs and the damage that those things did and how they performed like really impressed me um and i knew with shooting a bear i could aim i had to aim further back from the the shoulder so hitting the shoulder or being afraid of hitting the shoulder wasn't a concern to me i also wanted to open up the biggest hole i could in a bear because they have so much fat on them that could plug the hole and their hide and fur are so thick and bears are smart enough to where if they get hit they will take mud and pack up the wound so you can't you might not be able to follow any blood whatsoever so i actually called sever to talk to them about how they perform what would they recommend um like i wanted to get their take on it and um they they pushed me towards the the two inch um sever and uh so that's what i that's what i had and that that's what i was using um and i was i was confident in it um but that was that was my setup this is my first time going back to a mechanical broadhead so i grabbed my bow and this bear came in and it stopped at the bait barrel and i had already drawn back grabbed a chunk of frosting off the bait barrel and then went to the tree right behind it because i also had some frosting on there so it was quartering away from me um i had already known all, what all my distances were distances were from the first day that I got there. It was 18 yards quartered away, standing perfectly still. So I aimed for middle of the body, uh, front to back, maybe maybe a hair back, um, because knowing it was quartering away, I could that was the angle I wanted to hit to have it come out towards the offside front shoulder. And I let it rip. And my arrow hit that bear so hard, that thing flopped on its back, jumped up. I actually have a a trail cam photo of after it jumped up with it, like feet in the dirt, like starting to haul ass away. But when it jumped up and ran away, the same way it came, the arrow was still in it. Seeing the placement of it, though, I knew I was good up and down. I felt like I was good front to back, especially for a quartering away from me. But the bear runs back to my left, back the way it came and ran behind me. And it ran along the swamp edge. I could hear it running through the trees off to my right. This was at 7 o'clock at night, so there's still probably 35 minutes before dark. And I texted all the guys back at camp and... uh said I'd let one fly and um 
I'm like, the arrow's still in it. I heard it stop. So I had a bearing on where it stopped, but I never heard a death groan. Um, cause apparently a lot of bears right before they expire, they do a, a death moan. And I had never heard that before to hear what it sounded like, but I never heard it from the one that I just hit. So knowing that and the arrow was in it and it could possibly be liver. Um, I told the guys, I'm like, don't come in here right now. Um, I texted one of my buddies up in Grand Marais, uh, Logger Hubbard. He's actually a Patreon. Um, he's one of my buddies from school. And I talked to him and another guy up in Cadillac that I bought some some bait from. Um, he's the one that runs that nonprofit there that I was telling you about. I'm like, here was the placement. It was quartering away. Here's what happened. And both of those guys said that bear's dead. Um, I wouldn't be worried about it. It's definitely down. Um, and sometimes apparently the, a bear won't do that death moan right before it expires. So they're like, don't worry about that. Um, just you'll be good. So I went back to camp and got there, told the story. And those few things I was worried about. I'm like, let's just eat dinner. We'll go out later. So ate dinner. And then six of us went out at 1030 at night. I had my 10 millimeter pistol with me. My buddy had a 357. And then we had a, sh- a 12 gauge slug shotgun. <laughs> and there's six guys with flashlights. Going to go walk through the woods chasing a wounded bear. So we get to the hit site. And surprisingly enough. My buddy's kid found blood. It's like, okay, this is promising because it probably means it went through the opposite side. So we start following blood and 30, 40 yards later, we found my arrow. My arrow was fully intact. The broadhead was fully intact and the blades weren't even bent. So what I'm thinking happened is it went through, but I hit that off leg or off shoulder and it just stopped it from passing like through into the dirt and the blades were hanging out i'm assuming um with the arrow front end of the arrow and then running through those trees the trees probably just grabbed it and pulled it all the way out but it was good to see that because then it meant that the blood trail was going to be better to follow um so we just start following more blood and blood was good and steady um we started finding like chunks of fat on some of the trees that it brushed up against. And then I found a piece. It was probably, I don't know, four inches in diameter that looked like stomach cull fat. And I'm like, oh man, I wonder if I did hit the guts. Kept following blood. And then luckily, I mean, it, it was, I think 0.3 miles total from the hit site. And we found, we found it piled up um, right next to a, a big blowdown tree. And when I, when I got up to it, um, I noticed that the entry hole had stomach and intestines blocking the entry hole. But the exit hole was right underneath the armpit um, on the opposite side. And after I gutted it, and so I found out it was a female. Um, 
And when I, when I gutted her, I didn't open the stomach. It didn't hit the intestines. I think part of that blade caught the cull fat. I hit liver and off long. Um, and she, she was already stiff. Like rigor mortis had already set in when we found her. And that was three hours later. So I think where I heard her stop, she was probably done right there. We probably could have went in and uh, tracked her right away. But yeah, um, finding her, I was super unbelievably jacked to get it done. The last hour of my last day was was the best feeling just because of all the time I sat in the tree from opening day until that point. Um, and to do with my bow and knowing that that was my goal and that's what I wanted to do was even, it felt even better. Like it was, it was awesome. Like we stayed up till two o'clock in the morning. Like I didn't go to bed really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, um, so luckily it was only like a 200 yard drag out, out to a trail and took her back to camp after that. So in that, like, obviously you were up there with guys that had handled bears before and, um, you know, the, that girl had killed one earlier. So you kind of had an idea, but like, what's the process of like, cause I, I guess, you know, when we were elk hunting, like John and I, the first time like shit we never had our hands on any sort of elk or anything like that and you you think that you know how to do it and then so then when i was out in colorado and they we killed those elk that there's two elk down the first day and it's like well now this is real like this is a big (laughs) animal it's a big pain in the ass um you know a good problem to have but so at that point like where does the priority lie as far as like gutting a bear getting the skin off you know what do you got to do do you have to like uh, keep sex organs on it like you have to for for elk like you know what what's the next step so luckily um i mean michigan i i, I read the regs beforehand but um luckily just like michigan deer um or any other animal you don't have to leave evidence of sex attached so basically with bears it's get them gutted and get them cooled down uh as fast as you can just because they're they're eating so much food and getting fat for the winter to to den up for the winter so there is there's so much fat on a bear that you want to get the guts out and get it cooled down that's like priority one. Um, and then I knew I told myself before that if, if I, this was only going to be like a one and done kind of thing for me, probably in Michigan, like wait, wait my time to get my first season tag, try and get one with my bow. If I do, all right, that's, it's awesome. Like I, I accomplished my goal and, now I want to move on to the next thing. So getting one, I'm like, okay, do I do a rug or a half mount? 
so that's the other thing you have to think about like same thing with a a deer or an elk out west like if it's something you're going to do amount with you need to make sure you do it right so um i was kind of set on just doing a half mount so when you're gutting it i mean you don't want to it's just it really is just like gutting a deer um but for the half mount you need a little bit further further down between the shoulders and the and the hindquarters so you're just making a like a one foot incision into the stomach cavity to keep as much hide as you can that the taxidermist doesn't have to stitch so you're going from the bottom of the pelvis up not even to the bottom of the sternum like you want to even be further down from that and it's just like getting a deer basically where you're you're getting the you get the diaphragm and stuff peeled out from the the inside of the rib cage and reach up as far as you can for the esophagus and um get the large intestine out and that's that's really it um but the biggest thing is getting it cooled down right away. So luckily those last few nights up there, it was in like the upper thirties, 40 for lows that night. So it was, it was cold. Um, but we still put two bags of ice in the chest cavity overnight. Um, but then the other thing was I was planning on leaving the 17th on sunday to head back down here because i had to work monday even though i was working up there in the mornings um so i knew sunday i had to get it registered because you have to register them within 72 hours and then after that i needed to get it to a processor um because i didn't have enough i'd never skinned out a bear before and knew and knowing i wanted to do a half mount um <clears throat> I didn't want to screw up skinning out a bear and and doing something that's that's going to wreck the mount or give more work to the taxidermist to have to fix. So I knew I was going to bring it in. So Sunday morning I get up, uh, got all my shit together, packed my truck, and there were three places to register near Crystal Falls. I called the the DNR. They were closed. I called the second place in Crystal Falls. They were closed. Now you're talking like small town UP stuff as well. So you're really in the middle of nowhere um, with not a lot of options. I called the third place, just 20 minutes west of me. Luckily, they were open. I'm like, I'll be down there in 20 minutes. So I go down there, register it, and basically, excuse me, they pull a tooth for aging, which apparently takes a year to get the aging results back. Um, Take down some information. Um, She did have like a white V starting on the front of her chest. So they took on that, some other few little tidbits, and uh, 
they put their own seal <clears throat> on the bear. And it's just a plastic strip that they put through the jaw. And uh, after that, I'm like, okay, I got to find a processor. And my buddy had a friend in Crystal Falls who was a processor. Called him. He was out of town uh, for a family thing that weekend. and wasn't going to be back until Monday. I And I, I didn't want to leave this thing till Monday because it needed to get cut up and in a freezer. Called another place. They were closed. Um, where, where my mom grew up in Iron River, which was about 25 minutes further west of, of where I was. Um, a friend of my aunt and uncle was a, has a butcher shop in Iron River. And even though he doesn't, he doesn't process bears anymore. I called my aunt. I'm like, Hey, can you get a hold of, um, Steve and see if I can just get my bear in his freezer? Cause I need to get it cooled down. Um, so she tried calling him. He didn't answer. I called another place in Northern Wisconsin, an hour from where I was. <laughs> they were open. Luckily <clears throat> I'm like, I'll be there in an hour. And I started driving. So dropped it off and, uh, Basically got a, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a process there and uh, it was going to be a few days before they actually had it cut up. So by the time I got back to Iron River, it was 530 Eastern time. I'm like, I am not driving eight hours back home. <clears throat> There's no way that's happening. So I spent the night at my aunt's house who lives there, but I stopped at a another friend's house and he's retired from state. I used to work with him up there. Told him the story, showed him the pictures. And I was like, Hey, uh, you don't happen to have any freezer space. Do you? He's like, yeah, why? I'm like, do you think you'd go pick up my meat and my hide for me when it's done this week in a couple days? He's like, yeah, I could do that. Um, he said, I could do you one better. He has a cousin who lives in Marquette who has a daughter in Kalamazoo that he visits once a month. So he's going to bring my meat to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of worked out. Um, and then my friend had a taxidermist who does his work. And uh, yeah, he dropped the hide off to him for me. And I'll be getting my meat at the end of October. So I haven't tried it yet, <laughs> but it's coming. It's kind of like youpers helping youpers. <laughs> like, right. It's like the network is strong up there with the cheese heads. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty wild. I mean, now having gone through that, like, can you break down like a little bit of the like cost? Because like my cousin's got a a, a place up. um I think it's like in Iron County and then like we've got our place in the UP and it it seems like unless you have somebody up there to do it for you, you're almost better off using an outfitter like dollar for dollar because of time and, and everything like that. So like for your, 
your DIY, you know, well, I'm going to go ahead and do this, do it all myself. My buddy's going to help me. Like, how does it break down versus like a guide? Yeah. So luckily the only thing I really had to buy gear wise was different broadheads. I had everything else. So I was set there. Um, if I didn't have somebody to bait for me, I, I think going the guide or outfitter route, if, if you're a long ways the way to where you can't be up there to bait every two days or every three days, um, I think having an outfitter would be a way to go. I've never looked into it, so I don't know what, what the costs are, but I was talking to, I was talking to another guy and I forget his name off the top of my head. He hunted with an outfitter, uh, west of where I was in waters meet. The guide wasn't very good. Um, so if you're going to do it, I do some homework. But they're going to bait for you. You have to make sure if skinning processing is included or not in that price. And what other transportation to and from the stand, all that stuff. Um, But I paid $500 for bear bait. Just for bait. To bait for the month of August. And while I was there for a week and a half in September. So processing was $400. And I think it was that much because basically they knew they had, I got the, (laughs) yeah, well that too. I got them. I got the hindquarters and the back straps cut up into roast size chunks um a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv you're listening to the waypoint podcast network brought to you in part by hunt stand the number one hunting and land management app i've always I mean, as, as you guys probably heard when Ronella was, was talking about when he got trichinosis from eating that uncooked bear meat, everything I've ever read was you need to cook bear meat to 165. So it has to be well done to kill that trichinosis parasite that's in the meat. Well, my friend was telling me he actually prefers bear meat over whitetail elk, anything, because it is so flavorful. and There's so much fat marbling in bear meat compared to anything else. It is so tasty because of that marbling in the meat. But he said Eastern bears, like around here, that you don't really have to worry about the trichinosis because that's really coming from bears up in like Northwest Canada, Alaska, because it, it comes from fish up there, apparently. Don't quote me on that because I haven't done my homework on it yet. But I'm still not going to take the chance to eat it medium rare. Um, so I got to cut up in roast size chunks. But all of the grinding meat, I told them to take that poundage and split it in half 
and do half snack sticks and half summer sausage with it. So I think that $400 probably played a little bit. Uh, the the sticks and the summer sausage played into that price. Um, and then the mount, a half mount is going to be 1500 bucks. So I knew, I knew doing this hunt, especially if I was successful, it was going to be expensive overall. Um, I mean, the tag tag was cheap tag was 25 bucks. Um, but I, I knew it was good. I, I knew bait wasn't going to be crazy cheap just, just because of how much you have to buy and how often you have to bait. Um, I got lucky with some some pretty decent bait prices, and uh, but yeah, I mean you got four hundred in processing, fifteen hundred into a half mount, and even if I would have got a rug, it wasn't much cheaper than a half mount. So that's why I went with the half mount. It takes up less space, um, and it's I think it's going to look a little bit better and. Um, you can you can kind of place it wherever it works for you and and then you have 500 in bear bait and that didn't include my gas to get up there and back home gas while driving around for a week and a half and food while i was there um so even though it's a diy um being successful this cost about as much as an out west trip um so yeah it wasn't uh it wasn't cheap so even if even if somebody went the outfitter route up there <clears throat> i think you would save depending on what the cost is um i think you'd save a little bit compared to what i had to do because when those guys are buying bait they're buying it in semi truck loads and they're storing it so they're able to get it at cheaper prices which is probably why they can get away with not charging as much for for a hunt um but granted i'm sure the outfitting thing is just like out west guiding like it might only be a five or six day hunt in the up with with an outfitter kind of like it is all west and you may have to pay more if you wanted to do a seven or 10 day bear hunt up in the up with an outfitter um so those are those are things some somebody would have to look at too because depending on the duration that they're offering if you want to go longer you might have to pay more and if you get something you might end up paying exactly what i ended up paying in the end too so so what's up next for you this season? So obviously whitetail season started today with for for archery. Um I I was not going to sit in 83 degree weather in a tree today. So even though Tom Taylor hates golf, um <laughs> he can suck it because I really like golf and uh I hadn't played in three and a half weeks so I went golfing yesterday and I went golfing today. Um, 
so today was my last day probably hitting the course for the year so uh yeah it's gonna be basically any chance i get um between now and january 1st is sitting in the woods with my bow and i mean we've got the, the patreon hunt coming up this weekend um which i'm i'm looking forward to i mean just based off of last year's um first annual one that we did which which was epic um i think this one's going to be just as good um weather looks good we're gonna have a good group of guys basically the same group um as last year with with a few more um so i'm really looking forward to that and then uh i do <laughs> add another bucket list item uh opportunity i am going to south dakota um october 20th through the 26th to do a pheasant hunt um with a buddy of mine from college who lives over by it <clears throat> by detroit so have a and those those are five day seasons apparently because uh i just started reading the regulations on that stuff just to kind of find out what i can do and what i can't do um but that's going to be fun like that that was an opportunity i really couldn't pass up um so yeah, I'll do a pheasant hunt in third week of October. And after that, it'll just be crazy bow hunting until, uh, till the end of the season, pretty much. All right. Well, we'll see you this weekend. And, uh, I mean, yeah, hopefully I can make it up there. <laughs> I did. You're going to make it up there, John. So I'll make it up there for at least an evening. To, at least I'm, I will make a, uh, make it an a point, appearance. make it a point to make an appearance up there, but. Yeah, my wife decided to go out of town on a spa trip, you know. I'm like, oh, I'm like, come on. Dogs. And so I got <laughs> the dogs. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to have the dogs at deer camp, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but I'll be up there. And I did. So after, like, we we were texting back and forth when you were telling me about your bear, I I ended up ordering some of the severed broadheads, the, the 2.0s. So I'm... I was super impressed. Um, like after seeing Joe's uh, two doe that he shot at the Patreon hunt last year with, with those broadheads <clears throat> and after seeing what happened, um, like you said, with, with my bear being a two inch cut and not having a single blade bent on a quartering away shot and probably hitting the off leg bone. And the feral still being intact, no blades bent. I'm, I'm a believer again, and I, I was super impressed with that broadhead. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna keep using those suckers. My biggest thing was, so like, obviously I've been so busy. Uh, my bow is still set up from tack, so hundred grain heads, you know, all that. I'm like, I don't have time to switch back over change sight tapes, do all the stuff and put my heavy heads on and my other arrows. I'm like, you know what? And I think I got one like rage hypodermic left for mechanicals, you know, for hundred grain heads, which <laughs> I've never had problems with, you know, but they, they're not durable. Like you kill, you shoot one deer and they're pretty much junk. Like the br blades yep. are garbage, you know, the ferals are usually bent, but so I was like, well, you know, you were talking about it. 
He killed him last year with the. I shot a doe and a turkey with him last year. Oh, turkey too. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. 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 So I mean, they're pretty cool heads, and I like the way that the um, the Allen uh, the screw, the little set screw, so you can just shoot them, and you don't have to swap them out or anything. You just got to remember to take it off. <laughs> well, the funny, the funny, the funny thing about that practice set screw. Only, only because, um, uh, who was it? Somebody sent a polo recently in the past couple of days. Matt. It, yeah. So he was saying that, yeah, I put that practice screw in and, and shot um, the target and the, the rubber O-ring at the bottom broke. And I didn't get a chance to reply to that one because literally, so I bought four heads because I knew I was going to keep one as like a practice one um, and the other three for hunting. That first shot I took in my target with the practice screw in place, I pulled the arrow out, O-ring was gone. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, if I would have known that, I would have just taken the O-ring off before I put it on there because when I when I looked at the arrow, even with that practice screw in there, those those blades, even when they're in the notch, like, they'll they still have a little wiggle to them and it will touch that o-ring shooting in the practice mode and i laughed when matt posted that i'm like yep happened to me too (laughs) (laughs) so uh public service announcement for all of you uh, that are looking into severs remove the o-ring prior to shooting uh with the with the set screw i actually got they had like some deal like you buy the seven you get fifteen dollars off and then there was like some twenty percent twenty percent off yes, code from tim so, clark he he was the one that was saying so that. i got like i got seven of them for like 75 bucks with free shipping oh that's cheap so yeah yeah like can't can't beat like, it really i'll go wreck some broadheads for like, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta hunt you gotta hunt to do that right. well if not i'll just go shoot yeah. them in the trees out behind the house or something like there's gotta be a chipmunk <laughs> running around with yeah. a dart in it somewhere <laughs> chipmunk squirrels the damn turkeys are like now now the turkeys are in my apartment like i'm sitting in my apartment watching tv and all of a sudden i'm like i'm hearing this is like yesterday morning like i hear i'm like what freaking right outside my window like so I send the dogs out. I'm like, man, I'm gonna just start shooting the shit right here. Like, well, I drove <laughs> I drove past your house the other day, and uh, the apartment, and I was looking to see if you're home. And there's a freaking line of turkeys going through. And I'm telling Stella, oh, we were on our way to uh, school. Yeah, because I was like, Stella, look, and John's freaking, and it's it's a freaking parking lot. It's all cement. Yeah, I mean, and there's you know half a dozen turkeys out there just walking. Like nose to tail. So I send the dogs out after them and then they go and fly and they land on the roof of the house up in front and they're out there and they're like doing the kiki run and shit like, like but but yeah, and then at the at my house, you know, the same thing, like the deer are crossing the road, like uh like I'm just gonna I'll just put my tree stand on the roof. Like, <laughs> right. It's not a house yet. I mean it's just a really big blind. It's just a big blind. <laughs> really fancy. Real fancy. But, but yeah, man, looking forward to this weekend and that's, uh, you know, very disappointed that you couldn't bring your bear meat to the, uh, the camp, but we'll, we'll still eat up the sloppy joes anyway. So, oh yeah, those will still be good. So, well, awesome, man. Looking forward to it and congrats on the bear. Yeah. 
thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend too. And uh appreciate you guys having me back. It was it was a fun experience. I mean, I learned I learned a ton. Um ton of stuff that I never never knew about Bear before. And when I said before it was a one and done, um, that might not be true. So I know I was talking to Brian over in Rhode Island and uh we may we may try and, and do like a main a main bear hunt um at some point but um i also found out from a friend of mine up in newberry that he puts in for third season tags because they're easy to get and he can pull in every two years and he's shot a bear over bait in the third season every single year he's pulled a tag up there so and that overlaps with bow season too so we can you can hunt yeah. here at the same time man out in maine like so it's been a few years ago we drove out for the October the color tour and we drove through northern Maine and we seen a ton of bear hunters out there I was like man and it's freaking gorgeous out the, yeah you know northern Maine and like all up through the like Moosehead Lake and all that like that'd be a cool trip oh it would be yeah so yeah no I appreciate you guys having me on alright thanks Pat alright appreciate it could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. In wild country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.